0: I think if we all tried, we could convince David somehow that it's Saturday today, so uh, let's give that a shot later on. Why are you guys all here on a Saturday? We all agreed to do this, Dave. You were there. Uh, Now, anyway, hey, good morning, guys, and welcome to Living Hope Church. My name is Mike Sandusky. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Living Hope, and it's so good to see you guys here. We're so glad you're here. Uh, Just each and every week, we really believe it's not an accident that you're here Um, we believe God is alive and active, and not only do we believe it, but we've seen it uh, and experienced this. um, This last year, you know, it's August already, which I cannot believe, guys. Can you believe that? It's already August 6th. Um, Just this last year, just personally, I have to say, I have seen God move in ways that uh, I've never seen him move before. I've been a Christian since 2006, uh, so this will be 17 years this October that I've been a, a believer uh, in Christ. Uh, before that, uh, if you didn't know, I was, I was sort of an agnostic uh, humanist. Uh, if you know what those things mean, that's I was 19 years old. That's who I was. I didn't believe the Bible was God's word. I didn't believe Jesus. Uh, I had kind of went to church here or there in my life, but uh, God radically encountered me um, at 19, right before I turned 20, um, and uh, and I was actually, you know, studying uh, science at the time, and um, and so I had a very scientific worldview. And God miraculously, powerfully encountered me. Uh, and honestly, in the 17 years since then. Uh, this year, this last year, I've just seen, it's incredible what I have seen. We had a youth camp, uh, not this last week, but the week before, where uh, I just watched God call uh, young you know, high schoolers and uh, middle school kids, and we ended up doing 15 baptisms uh, at the youth camp. It was incredible just to see their heart, uh, to be worshiping and just feeling the presence of God among us. Uh, the youth that, we got several youth in this room right now that were there, uh, that uh, they could tell you, if you ask them, like how incredible of an experience it was, uh, how powerful it was, and uh, uh, we had some—we've had some healings this year. God's healed some people powerfully, uh, and uh, it's just incredible. Um, when uh, when you see it. And so uh, my heart today is that God would encounter you powerfully, right? This is Sunday. Uh, church is not just about, oh, hey, we're coming to check something off our to-do list, but rather this is a place where we get to encounter, uh, the Bible calls uh, God, the living God, a God who is alive, uh, who loves us, who wants to draw near to us, uh, and a God who has power uh, to, to encounter us where we're at and to change our lives. And um, like David said, today uh, we are back in our Galatians series, so we're working through the book of Galatians. We finished up uh, the book of Esther last week, which is an Old Testament uh, uh, book about uh, Esther. Um, she is uh, sort of a great woman of faith. Uh, she gets a whole book of the Bible named after her, and uh, and she, uh, God uses Esther to powerfully work redemption. If you missed that series, we'll have it up on our YouTube shortly. Um, but uh, this morning we're going to be back in our series in Galatians, and really, uh, just if you don't know, like what 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 are What what is a Galatians? (laughs) Maybe you're new to the Bible. Uh, That's a totally normal question. I find many people can find the Bible intimidating, uh, but one of our goals here at Living Hope Church uh, is to help you understand the Bible, to help uh, make it digestible, and uh, that's how I like to teach from the Bible, so hopefully today as I preach, uh, you'll understand what it is I'm talking about because uh, the Bible, when understood, uh, is the most powerful wisdom, the most powerful information, the most powerful revelation you could possibly have have, and oftentimes the problem isn't uh, that we... you know the, the the biggest problem is that we we don't quite understand what we're reading. Sometimes it's that we don't quite look. Uh, we don't quite seek. Uh, maybe we, we we've written the Bible off. Um, but if you are uh, someone who has uh, wants to consider Christianity or, or you haven't considered Christianity, I think every single human being on the planet should at very least read the entirety of the New Testament, which is about the last one third, the last 30 percent of the Bible. Um, and uh, and today this book Galatians is part of that. Uh, what Galatians is, is it's a letter, it's a letter written to a region called Galatia, hence the name Galatians. So like we are Americans, these are Galatians, and the Galatians received a letter from one of the early church leaders, and what's wild about the book of Galatians uh, is that it's written by a guy named Paul. Now if you don't know who Paul is, Paul was someone who hated, not just like hated, uh, he, he hated Christians, and he especially hated Jesus. Uh, and yet, he was radically, powerfully, he encountered God, he encountered Jesus, Jesus Jesus appeared to him in power and completely changed Paul's life. Uh, and, and when God completely changed Paul's life, Paul went from hating Christians uh, and hating Jesus to being one of the people who writes the most clearly about Jesus and helps build the church uh, and changed uh, our world history. It's a, it's a great example because I think God saved Paul. God used Paul the way that he did to show us that it does not matter who you are, does not matter how far away from God you feel like you could be. Right, Paul was murdering Christians. Right, that's a pretty big deal, right? Murdering Christians, and God was like, I, I'm going I'm to pick you up, and I'm going to place you in, and I'm going I'm to call you by name and claim you as my own. And if you're here this morning, and you're like, man, I just feel so far off from God. I want you to know this. God sees you. God knows you. It's not an accident that you're here. He's attempting to call you. He's attempting to draw you in, to speak to you, that he would give you a new identity, a new life in him. Uh, and, and so, this book of Galatians, um, it is it is a letter to a church about what does it mean to be Christians, and uh, and I want to just introduce this sermon by, by by pointing at two common mistakes. That we can make uh, about Christianity. Two common mistakes we can make when it comes to Jesus that the book of Galatians really seeks to address. And this portion that we're gonna read today, we're gonna be reading out of Galatians 3, 1 through 6. We're just gonna look at six verses today. Uh, But this portion of Galatians 6 addresses this common mistake. And what is this common mistake? Well, uh, there's two of them actually. Uh, And first, the first common mistake we can see when it comes to Christianity is one that can happen right at the gate, right at the door. Um, You know, if you're in this room and and you're not a believer in Jesus, this is a very easy mistake to make. And that is to fail to see the massive gloriousness and goodness of God's love, power, and salvation to us. Like, like just so you know,, right, there are lots of people in the world who claim to be Christians, uh, and yet they, they lift up other things, like political parties or, uh, or or passing certain laws or doing things like that. But, but the Bible uh, reveals Christianity uh, as the person and work of Jesus. Christ, which is radically different than many appearances of Christianity in our culture. And it is important that you know this because Jesus is the eternal creator God who overflows with love and justice and mercy and life. And when you don't know him, when you don't know him, Christianity will have no appeal to you. But the moment you meet him, you know what changed Paul was when he met Jesus. Jesus revealed himself to Paul, and the light from Christ was so radiant, it blinded Paul physically. And I don't know if you know this, but when, when Jesus, he literally visibly shows up to Paul, and his glory is so magnificent that Paul goes blind. Now Jesus heals him. <laughs> he sends a Christian right, to his enemy. Like The Christian knew Paul. He knew him as the one who hates the church more than anyone else. And Jesus sent the Christian to Paul to pray for him, that he would receive his sight. When we encounter Jesus, he can be so radically brilliant, so radically radiant that he is blinding to us, that it can be almost hard to comprehend. Like, our first mistake we can make when it comes to Christianity is we can fail to see the massive gloriousness and goodness of God's love, power, and salvation to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Like, if you're in this room and you have a negative opinion about Christianity, I beg you, please, Look to Jesus, like dig into the word of God, read his accounts. The, the, the first, I told you the last 30% of the Bible is like the place I would encourage every person in our culture, every person in the world to read, and not just to read, but to really ask, what is this saying? It starts off with four stories of Jesus. That's how God decided to start the New Testament, is four tellings of who Jesus is. You get Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are accounts, testimonies of people who walked with Jesus and talk about Jesus and reveal Jesus and the things that Jesus says to them. All right? And when you see Jesus, when you see the massive gloriousness and goodness of God's love, power, and salvation to us through Christ, you recognize something is wonderful here. Our salvation is not a small thing. Too many people have a very small view of Christianity, and especially of salvation. This is the greatest news, the Bible tells us, the most wonderful truth that has ever been revealed to us by God. That's what the Bible tells us this is. The second big mistake we can make well, we can have moments where we see God's wonder. Right, if you're in this room and you're a Christian, you're a believer, there was at least one moment where you saw so clearly. Right, again, I just said, uh, I was at youth camp a couple of weeks ago with some youth, and one of the regular testimonies I hear from the youth is this, is they're like, man, when I'm at youth camp, I just see God so clearly. Everything seems so real, and then I get back into my normal life, and, and I just, and it's like everything fades to the back, and, and it feels like my faith is even weak. And I always say to them, I say, well, think about this. Think about like the the pattern here. It's like when you set aside five days of your life and to go spend those five days with God and his people and and then all of a sudden it's like you see the world differently. It's almost like you see a different kingdom. You see different stuff. It's like, that's, that's God shining his light as you draw near to him, right? You can think about it like this. If, 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 like, if the sun is over here, like, and you look, you see the sun, and it illuminates everything, but if you turn your back on the sun, and all you see is shadows, like, it's hard to make out what's happening, and the Bible says we do this all the time. We turn our back on God, and we sort of walk around, and when our back is on God, it's like, we don't have light. We don't have light. We just see shadows and darkness, and it's hard to make things out. It's hard to understand who we are, Right? It's hard to understand what our purpose is, what the point of all this is. Is really the point just to make money and and work and have kids and just kind of go through the cycle and and then one day you die and that's it? It's over? The Bible says, no, that's not it. It says, rather, God has called you into an eternal kingdom. He has a purpose for you to help radically change this world, to see like justice and mercy poured out among people. To see people who are ignored and overlooked, to see them brought to Christ to be transformed and changed forever and ever. And actually, when you read those accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible, you see this salvation. You see this kingdom on display. All right? And I just want to encourage you, if you're here and you've seen this kingdom and you've seen the light and you're like, I've believed, but like today you feel like your faith is weak or today you feel like the kingdom of God is a small part of your life, like I've got better things, I've got better hobbies, I've got better stuff I'm looking forward to in this world, I would tell you this, your vision for Jesus is too small. Your vision for the kingdom of God is too small. God has so much more for you, right? All right. It's possible for us to get distracted by the things of this world, caught up in, in, in the monotony of our world, or the bills of this world, or the hope of this world, or you know the, the conflict of this world, or the politics of this world. It's easy to get caught up in this stuff, but what the Bible promises us this, and I can tell you this, it's true for my life, is that the kingdom of God, Jesus' work in us and through us, transcends this world. Right? It, that, what does that, what does it mean to transcend this world? It means that you can operate and move through this world in a way that the weights and the burdens and the barriers of this world do not hold you back as you run forward. The circumstances of this world don't greatly discourage you. Rather, right, Christians, we should not be people of great fear, like, oh my gosh, look, we're losing everything. But rather, we should be people of great hope. Because guess what? We know the victory was won on the cross right? So we should be going forward saying, oh my goodness, like we are called to be the light in the world. And if the world is really dark around us, we don't say, oh no, we've lost it all. We say, let's go be the light. And when we, when it's really dark, your light will shine really brightly if it's Jesus who is shining in your heart, right? Right? We're not, this isn't about moralism, right? That's not, that's not the great hope, right? Getting all the laws arranged how we want them to be or, uh, or anything like that. Like the great hope is the love and grace and mercy of Christ. Why do I bring this up? It's because I'm, I'm getting at a big idea here. The two common mistakes that we can make you know, one of the two biggest ones is to not see Jesus as, as gloriously as he is. All right, if you have never seen it at all, you're probably a non Christian. The moment you see it, you want to say yes to it, right? That, that, I would say that, is that the moment you see the Christ's great glory, even a great enemy like Paul was converted powerfully after he saw the great glory of Christ. If you really saw Jesus for who he is, it would completely change your life. That's what happened to me at 19. Right? I did not, I was not fond of Christians. I wasn't a fan of Christians I'll give some credit to many Christians that were here at this church because I, I, I got the way I got uh, into Christ, the way I got saved, the way I became a Christian, was I encountered some Christians here at Living Hope back in 2006 and or 2005 to 2006, and and I remember thinking, man, I don't know if I've ever been around Christians that take their faith this seriously, and I like them. <laughs> I remember that was powerful to me. I was like, they clearly love Jesus, they clearly believe the Bible, and yet. They are people that I, I like to be around and they're people I admire and they're people I want to be like and that was so powerful for me. Uh, and, and honestly, like you know, as I, I opened up the Bible and I was like, oh my goodness, I, I, just, I saw something. God revealed himself to me. And when you see this wonder of Christ, his love, his massive glory, right, it changes everything. But it is possible to, to get distracted by this world, to seemingly forget, be a Christian and have a faded heart. Well, the title of my sermon, I like this, right? Ignited by grace, made glorious by grace. You can think about it like this, like if you've never seen Christ, God wants to ignite a roaring fire in your heart that goes forever and ever and ever, right? Great, glorious, like blazing joy. No one has to tell you to worship, right? You just can't help yourself. If you've been ever overcome or overwhelmed with joy, people don't have to tell you to express it. It overflows. That's the nature of who we are. and Our worship here at church is meant to be the overflow of hearts that have been ignited by the grace of God, the glory of God, the goodness of God. Right? Uh, and not only are our, our hearts ignited by grace, our hearts are made glorious by grace. When we run with Jesus, we run in his grace. And you're like, what is grace, Mike? What is grace? Grace is love you don't deserve. Grace is forgiveness when you, when you have no help and you have no hope. All right? Grace is Jesus. The Bible tells us that he was perfect, he was God in the flesh. He came down to earth and he was perfectly innocent. And he lived the life we can't live, but should have lived. He lived, he, he didn't break any laws. And not only did he not break laws, he always did the most righteous thing. Like, he loved the unloved. He, he, he healed the sick. He raised the dead. He lifted up the oppressed. And he promised them justice. And then he went to a cross and he brought that justice. Innocent, perfect God died on a cross. So that broken sinful humanity. Our guilt he took on his shoulders. His innocence he gave to us for free by faith. That is grace. That you can receive all of Christ's righteousness, all of Christ's love, all of Christ's forgiveness and redemption by believing. It doesn't cost you you money. It does cost your life. But it's sort of like when you really realize, it's like, that's like if somebody was like, hey, I got this Lamborghini and you got like a tire from a, 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 like a completely totaled like 1978 like Ford Pinto, right, all you got is the tire and they're like, I'll trade you the Lamborghini for the tire, right? You're like, well, this tire's all I got, <laughs> right? The Bible's like, that's what you're trading, you're trading a broken, empty life that does not work, right, for the glory of God, right? That's what it costs you. And yet, regularly, routinely, we we have this habit of turning back to the darkness, turning back to the brokenness. And yet, what's this? we're made glorious by grace. You don't get back because of your work. You don't get back because you're doing it. You get back because you remember who you are. You get a new identity in Christ. You get a new identity. This is huge. This is a big deal in our culture today, identity. It does not surprise me in our culture, people have such a great identity crisis. The heart of the Bible is every human being has an identity crisis. We do not know who we are. We do not know why we're here. And the Bible says, this is who you are. You're a people who have fallen from God. It sounds like bad news, which it is. It's It's a hard pill to swallow. It takes some humility to admit, there's something wrong with me. As I read the Bible, that was one of the biggest things that stood out. There's something wrong with me. This whole time I thought I was right. I thought I could judge God. I thought I could judge the Bible. I thought I could judge Christians. And what I realized is that I read the Bible, the Bible read me, and the Bible said, something's wrong with you. But it doesn't in there. The four stories about Jesus, they're called the Gospels, and Gospel means good news. Gospel means good news, and the good news is this. Even though we have an identity Christ, even though we don't know who we are, we don't know where we're going, And we can't do anything to really fix it. We'll always have this deep inner longing on our own. The Bible says Jesus came to show us who we're meant to be. And who are we meant to be? Sons and daughters of God. You're meant to be redeemed and forgiven. You're meant to be washed and renewed in Christ's love. And it all comes for free. It's the most glorious, wonderful thing. And when you really dwell on it, You really contemplate it. It is mind-bogglingly sweet and wonderful. It should stir in you a hope and a joy. And for some, it stirs in us this thought of like, is this for real? Because it's not like anything in this world. It's not like anything humans will offer you. There's always a cost and a catch with the things of this world, but in Christ, it comes free through faith, through grace. So these ideas of missing Christ, they're very easy uh, to commit these mistakes, to not see Christ as big enough um, and to, or to let him fade to the background. And I would ask you this, where are you today? Because God wants to reignite some hearts this morning. Um, maybe for the first time, God wants to ignite some hearts this morning. Maybe you're here and you're like, here's what I would tell. I would tell any person I know, like the most loving thing I could possibly say. You wanna know the most loving thing I could possibly say to any human being? The most loving invitation I could give to any person? It would be this. Please, just take a moment to seek Christ and see Just come and look. Come and see the one who changed my life forever. I gave up like, again, I was a a scientist. I gave up a great career with a great income to give my life fully to full-time ministry. And why did I do that? I did it because Jesus is more glorious than anything this world has. I, and if you don't know that, like, I'm not just saying this. This isn't just, oh, a, a pastor up here. Like, I hope that's evident. Like, this is not just, uh, this is what I'm supposed to say because I'm a pastor. No, no, no. These are things that boil and, and burst and flow out of my heart. And if you walk out this life with me, there's many people in here who you, you know me well. Um, you know, I was at youth camp a couple of weeks ago, and I told you there are people who are like, man, what is, this? like, almost like there's something wrong with me. Like, it's like, guys, we cannot be shaken when we really get Christ. We cannot be moved when we really are standing in his eternal life and joy, right? Like like, eternal means forever. Eternal means endless. Eternal means grounded like no one in this world can ground you. And it's good and it's glorious. All right? So Paul is trying to address this mistake we can make and and let's look at what he says here. I have not read any scripture yet. We're gonna get to it. We're gonna get to it. But I've preached a lot of what it tells us so we're in a good spot here. This is Galatians uh, 3, 1 through 6. Here's what it says. Oh foolish Galatians, what an introduction to this chapter. Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified, saying it's obvious. This work was obvious. People are still alive who, who did it. This is like recent news, right, to the Galatians. Like, Jesus came, he did a bunch of miracles, and then he was killed by the Romans. It happened. Let me ask you this only. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law, that is, by doing good things and earning it, or by hearing with faith, that is, by grace? He's asking a hypothetical here. The answer, the clear answer here, is they received it by hearing with faith. He says, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, having begun by God's power, that's what that's saying, having begun by God's power, This is how everybody's Christianity starts. We begin with whose power? Not your power, God's power. Having begun with God's power, are you now being perfected by the flesh? That is, your body, your power. Don't miss how huge that verse is. Having begun by God's Spirit, are you now being perfected by your effort? That's what Paul's asking. You know how many Christians I know who are crushed? You may be coming in this room today and you feel crushed. You feel weak. You feel dead. You're like, I don't read my Bible enough. I feel really far from God right now. I feel ashamed how I've lived my faith. You aren't just ignited by grace because you are made glorious by grace. And grace is always free. Don't miss this. It's always free. Having begun by the spirit and power of God, are you now being perfected? By the flesh. The answer is no. It is no. He says, did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. He's saying all that you've gone through to give your lives to Jesus, was it really in vain? He says, does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do it by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And he answers, he says, it was just as Abraham believed in God and it was counted to him as righteousness. It tells us here, The answer here is that this all comes by faith, through faith, not by works of the law, but by hearing with faith. I encourage you this morning, hear with faith. That just means to believe, to say, I believe these things are true. The Bible says there's real power in that, that when you see Christ and you believe Christ, when you really see him and you say, yes, I receive that, the Bible says that real power comes to our lives. But you'll notice here, Paul starts this letter with, with some strong language, Right? He's, he's saying there's some Christians here in Galatia that they, they seemingly are acting foolish. It's like they've forgotten their own great hope in Christ. Right? This is a great hope that does not come by your own effort, but it comes by grace. It's like they've been bewitched. He even says, like, who's, who's tricked you? Who's confounded you? Right? Some of you in this room, you've been bewitched, you've been confounded by a false Christianity, a Christianity that says it's all about your effort and not about his grace. No, you start with grace, you run with grace, you finish in grace, you're made glorious in grace. He says here, Christ's work happened right Before their eyes, right? His life and death were very public. They were very well known. I don't know if you know this. You happen to live in a a culture and a time where Christ's life and death are very public and very well known. And it's actually, to me, that's more impressive, right? Galatians was written in about 60 AD, so the events of Christ had happened a few decades before. You and I are here in 2023, like we got almost 2,000 years on the Galatians, and yet the work of Christ is so well known. Isn't that wild? Isn't that wild? Right, like, people are like, oh, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. I would say, having a story that's being told for 2,000 years about your life and your ministry, having that stick around for 2,000 years, that's a pretty extraordinary bit of evidence, right? If you claim to be God in the flesh. Something I think we, we, we overlook about Jesus is his public ministry was only three years long. What, what, what figure in history has even come close to the impact that Jesus has had on the world. You guys, who know, you guys who know who invented hospitals? Christians. Do you guys know who invented public school? Christians. Do you guys know who, 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 who really took the lead on orphanages? Christians, right? Like, <laughs> there were countries in the world who were like, you're, you're gonna start a house and put other people's kids in it and care for these kids? Like, why not just let them die on the streets? To you today, you're like, that's like the most absurd thing I ever heard? To like, like three-year-olds and four-year-olds and five-year-olds just die on the, what a ridiculous thought. How can we, you know who changed the culture? It was Christians, motivated by Christ, right? Motivated by Christ who did this. What's crazy is like all around you, there is great evidence for the power, the glory, the goodness, the grace of Christ, and yet often we forget it. That's what Paul's pointing out, saying how, how could you be tricked? How could you be bewitched? How could this ever fade in your heart? Well, why is it? It's because we go from looking at him and gazing upon him to going to something else, right? To our own little trinkets, our own little hobbies that, that, you know, might pass the time in the day, might give us hope for a few weeks while we hope for vacation, but then we get back into life and that vacation fades or we get the thing we hope in and it doesn't really satisfy. We might pretend that it does, but that just makes us feel more hollow. And Jesus is like, guys, You don't need to like climb a mountain to get back to me. All you need to do, the Bible says is repent. And you're like, what is repent? Repent means you turn from where you're at and you look upon him. It's redirecting your life. It's saying, I gotta remember. If you're a Christian, right, and your life is in the wrong place right now, here's what Jesus would say: remember who you are. He would say, remember who you are. You are already redeemed. You have no work to do to get back to God. All you need to do is turn and say yes. You need to hear with faith to receive this identity, to receive this salvation. Paul is pleading with the Galatians that they would recognize this, right? He says the work was public, but it wasn't just public. He's saying you've also received God's spirit, God's life itself. This is not just public. It's also personal, all right, if you're here and you haven't experienced Jesus personally, you haven't experienced the power of God personally, I want you to know that invitation is sitting here for you today. We we baptized RJ today, and, and 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 that same picture. God wants to do that in your life. He wants to, you know, you can die to death, you can raise to new life, you can die to brokenness, you can raise to wholeness, you can die to our sin and be raised righteous and holy. All right? That doesn't mean that, like, we don't believe Christians are, like, completely, like, perfect in in the rest of our lives. This is actually what the Bible says. It says your soul is perfected in Christ, but our outward body can still falter, can still fail. And yet the true identity is is so great, like, our true redemption in our souls is so great that we have forgiveness, even though we still still might falter, we still might fail, right? Becoming a Christian doesn't mean you're without sin. In fact, sometimes I've seen it, Christians can sin a lot. But the grace of Christ is greater. Now, the goal of that, the Bible says, is not that we would just send a bunch because we're like, oh, the grace of God covers us, but rather that it would stir us to remember who we are. We're people of grace. We're people who have been redeemed. We're people who have been purchased by the blood of Christ, which is more valuable than all the wealth of this earth, like magn- multiplied by a billion, man, multiplied by a trillion. I right, take all the wealth of this world, what most humans are seeking after, multiply it by 10 trillion, and it's still not even a percentage point as, as valuable, as glorious, as a single drop of the blood of Christ. You have been purchased by the most valuable item, the most valuable thing in all the universe, the blood of Christ. He has a new life for you. Uh, Paul is clear here, this stuff doesn't come, the life of God doesn't come because we're good, it doesn't come because of our works, it doesn't come because of our righteousness, rather it comes through grace, that is hearing with faith, hearing the promise of life from Christ and and believing uh, in it, that is what brings God's salvation, God's forgiveness, God's redemption, and his new life to you. Remembering who you are in Christ is a great power. Romans 6 says, we must therefore consider ourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ. Yeah, and that part of the Bible tells us that when we, before you sin, right, when you, you're feeling tempted, the Bible says, "Remember who you are. Consider yourself—you're dead to sin. It, it will give you no life. It has no power over you. You're alive in Christ. And when you falter and you fail and you give in to temptation, the Bible says you must consider yourself dead to sin. It has no power over you. You've been bought with the blood of Christ. Remember who you are. You're alive in Christ. And this isn't dependent, right, on your work. It's a free gift of grace, right." Sometimes the thing holding us back the most is, is, is our own faith. It's our faith in Christ, believing and recognizing. <clears throat> Paul in this passage, here's what, he's, here's what he's saying. He's saying it is foolish for a Christian to think that this work that was started by God's faith or by faith and God's power, right, His Spirit, is somehow now ma- maintained by our work. This is such a, an important idea to get. No Christian sustains themselves by their own. Work, this is a very common misconception, and you're going to be like, man, that does not, I, it's funny, because I've, I've talked about this before, I've done it in small groups, and people will say, well, that doesn't quite sound right, right? no Christian sustain, but aren't we supposed to read the Bible, aren't we supposed to pray, right? isn't that work, All right, isn't, isn't, is there some, like, you, you keep saying, I got to turn, well, isn't turning even, even just the tiniest sliver of work, and the way I would explain this to you is like this, it, it's funny, because when you get it, you're like, oh, yeah, duh, okay, that makes sense, uh-huh. But let, so let me let me explain this to you. Let me give some clarity here. Like, we get life from reading the Bible, all right? So someone might say, "Isn't that isn't reading the Bible work? Isn't that effort? I got to put in my own effort to get life out." And here's what I would say: is that there's a way to approach Christ. There's a way to approach the Bible by grace and faith. And there's a way to approach Christ in the Bible as work. Just to give an example, prayer. You could insert any number of things, right? Like think about romance. I want you to think about this. Think about like romance, like the idea of, of being in love, uh, and, and like the the like just you ever been just enamored with somebody? Uh, you know, it, when you're younger, it's like oh, you got a crush on somebody. You know, in my case, I, I married I married that person, and I'm just enamored with Mackenzie. And, and so it's like it's like when you love someone, when you love someone, uh, or you you know it, it's like. That person, when you think about it, you're just overjoyed to spend time with them, right? And, and, and the question would be, is, like, is it work for me to love my wife? The answer is no, right? It's not, right? When you really, when you love someone, it is not work. You're, you're, it's like the overflow of joy. Remember earlier I was saying, like, when, when your heart is apprehended with great joy, it like overflows into action, right? That, 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 that isn't, just, it isn't just, oh, this is now obligation. This is like a joyful expression of what's in my heart already, Right? That's how love works. We understand that. Right? The problem with love in this world is that oftentimes we feel that way and, and then we get crushed and destroyed by the object of our affections. Right? We've all had, had that happen loving someone, giving a heart to someone, trusting someone, and, and, and being crushed. Part of what we die to when we get baptized into Christ is, is, is we die to the sins committed against us, we die to the brokenness that was wrought in our lives by others, and we're raised and made whole by the love of Christ. But when you think about love in its best form, Right, it, it's easy to understand this idea. Like, it's like, lo- it's not work, right? Like, I could come up with a to-do list. Like, what, what does it look like when someone's in love? All right, what are things they might do? Oh, we could say, like, oh, they buy them flowers, right? Okay, they buy flowers. They say, I love you. They spend time together. They take them on dates. Um, you know, they might, like, give them a back massage or something like that. Uh, and, and so it's like, I could come up with a list of, of things to do. And, and if you just look at that list, you could be like, oh, well, isn't this work? Isn't this work? Well, it's not if you're in love, <laughs> It's not work if you're in love, right? It's, it's like this is the natural overflow of our heart. And yet there's a way that you can do this stuff lifelessly, not from the heart, but just because it's what you should do, right? That we would call that, what would we call that? We call that death, <laughs> right? That's lifeless, that's empty. When your heart is in it, when you really love someone, these kinds of things, they're not work, they're joyful response, a wonderful life-giving experience for us, right? This is what it, this is what it means to, to, to seek God in the word. It's not, it's not that you're opening up the Bible to do a bunch of work because you should do it. It's like, I'm going to open this up and I'm going to seek God because this is, it's out of the overflow of my heart. And if you're here and you're like, man, I don't feel that way, so does it work for me? Right? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't look at the Bible and think the same as I, of, like, a romantic relationship. And you're like, man, that's a pretty intense, like, what's so funny is the Bible actually compares, like, between our relationship with God. It, it talks about, like, it's sort of eliciting the same feelings of romance, like this sort of great hope, this great delight in another person, right? And one of the great revelations of the Bible is that God is a person who we can greatly delight in. And what I would say is if you don't by nature or by default have a great desire to seek God in the word or to seek God in prayer, here's what I would say, you do it by faith. You don't do it thinking, okay, I'm going to earn God's affection or I'm going to earn some, something. You do it saying, you know what, like, I, God, I'm just, I, I believe, I believe that you're going to encounter me as I read this. I believe that you're going you're to meet with me. And so we do it in faith rather than in our own effort. We're not earning something. But we're, 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 we're basically cashing a check on God's truth. We're saying, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in and I'm gonna believe that your word is true. I'm gonna believe that this really does create a fire in my soul that overwhelms uh, into joy. And what I would say is if you go and you read and you seek in faith, right, any person, you open up the Bible and you say, you know, if you're here today and you want a Bible, I'll send you out of here with one right, and a little reading plan. And I, my encouragement would be this, if you've never read the Bible, like get one and read it and do it in faith, just... God show yourself to me as I read and he will and you'll begin to be stirred right you'll begin to see you'll begin to see things that maybe you you didn't see the Bible calls Jesus light talks about um it talks about how he he shines uh into our hearts there's this passage I really love I'm just going to read it to you out of here this is in second Corinthians 4 um It says, for God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, this God has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So it's saying as, as we seek God, here's what he does. He shines his light into your heart that reveals the, the, the knowledge of God's glory in the person and work of Jesus. That's what this is telling us. As we seek God, he shows himself to us. Okay. So what my, my invitation here is, this, is that to those who are like, oh, isn't it work? Isn't it, well, no, it's no, it's, it's, it's love that motivates us. And if it's not love that motivates us, it's faith that motivates us. And God's promises are true. And the most incredible joy of your life, the most incredible love of your life, the most incredible thrill of your life is with God, and we meet him as we draw near. I mean, I can just, I can attest to this in my own life. Like, the things I get to see, seeing people transformed, you know, seeing young people transformed, seeing hope, seeing marriages restored, seeing people healed seeing families reunited, seeing great wounds get healed, seeing forgiveness happen in people, seeing transformation happen in people, and sometimes seeing these things happen at like incredibly rapid rates, right? There's nothing like it. There's nothing else like this in our world. And to recognize that in my own life, the way God has spoken to me, the way God stirs me, that every morning I can wake up and sort of jump into this, this deep, endless depth, you know, this deep, endless fountain of joy, of life, of goodness. This is what we're invited into. This is what Paul is trying to point the Galatians to. As you seek God, he will ignite a fire. He desires to light this in your heart, to light a fire in your heart that goes forever, a joy and a life in your soul. Are you here and you feel dead? Or do you feel a roaring, blazing fire in your heart? And God wants to give you that. If you need it here today, don't leave here without getting prayer. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up here. We're gonna have some prayer teams up here. We're gonna be worshiping from the, the 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 stage here and worshiping from our seats. And I would just invite you, as we as we as we worship, just if you're like I just I need I, my heart has grown cold, I need to be reignited. Right? Don't be ashamed. Right? It's not your work. It's not your effort. It's it's gazing upon Christ. It's the it's believing in Jesus and receiving that changes. You've already if you're in Christ, you've already been made new. Right? And if you're here and you're like, I- I'm, I'm ashamed, I've just, I've lived for myself and I don't know Jesus and I've rejected God and I just can't imagine how he could ever love me, I, right? I got good news for you. That's who I was. That's who everyone was before Christ. But Jesus came not to save the righteous, but to save sinners. He came to save those who didn't deserve it. That's grace. And so if you're here this morning and you want to receive Jesus, I would encourage you, come forward, we're going to have people praying, I'm going to be over here, I'll probably be on this side over here, come talk to me, I'd love to pray for you, Um, Jesus wants to speak to you this morning. I'm going to read one more passage here as we go. Um, and I also want to say this: is that maybe you're here, and, and we had a baptism this morning. Maybe you've never, you're a Christian, you've never been baptized. We're going to do a bunch of baptisms on August 27th. So if you're here and you want to be baptized, that's three weeks from today. Uh, sign up. You can do it on your communication card. There's a spot on the back. You can just mark "I want to be baptized" uh, on there. And uh, and. Uh, We'll, get you, we'll, get, we'll have a conversation with you. Like, if you sign up, you're not like forced into it. We're not going to dunk anybody who doesn't want to be dunked. But, uh, you know, I, I would encourage you there. And if you're here and you're like, man, I really, I want to know more about what it is to follow Jesus, we'd love to help you out with that as well. This is not a small thing, All right. This is worth, the Bible says, uh, the kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in a field. The man found, and, and when he found it, in his joy, he went and sold everything he had to purchase that field. The Bible, uh, God's kingdom, God's life is like that. It's like treasure hidden in a field. As you dig, you find something so valuable. The Bible says that this person in their joy would sell everything they have, give everything away, just to have the treasure that God has for them. That's how good this is. It's worth all that we have. Uh, In Galatians 2, a little bit before, Paul's a little bit, he's a little more clear here. He says, for for though I died, I'm sorry, let me start that over. For through the law, I died to the law. So he's saying the law is essentially our works, our righteousness. He's saying through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We have a new identity when we come to Christ. It is no longer we who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. It says in the life I now live in the flesh, that is in the body. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, that is through works, then Christ died for no purpose. All right, he's so clear here. Righteousness, life, joy, peace, forgiveness, eternal life, all of it is a free gift that comes through Christ's works and all we have to do, we believe. Listen, I just invite you in this morning to believe. The band's gonna come. If this has grown cold in your heart, and you need to be reignited this morning. Like, God wants to ignite your heart again. He wants to start a blazing fire. If you're struggling today, and you're like, man, I just, I, don't, I have no motivation. Like, listen, we will pray for you. We got people here filled with the Spirit of God, and to have them lay hands on you and pray, the Bible says, hey, God wants to move through those people to bless you. Maybe you're here, and you're like, I got no motivation to read my Bible. I got no motivation to see God, but I wish I had it. All right, we will lay hands on you and pray. And I believe God will do a powerful work, right? If it wasn't God's, it, like when it's when it's not God's power, we can understand it. When it is God's power, we won't understand it. So maybe you're here and you're like, I don't quite understand how that could work. That's called faith. When you believe that God will do something, even though you don't understand how it works or or how, why He would do it, uh, God, that's that's faith. Is we believe God is good, we believe God is glorious. Uh, and so I'm going to pray for us here, but I encourage you, come forward, receive prayer, worship, you know, contemplate these truths, contemplate as we're, as we're singing, really read the words of the songs, like, and, and sing them, like, like, while reckoning them as true. Like, the songs that we sing, like, we pick them on purpose to, 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 to really articulate, to really be clear uh, about this truth about how glorious God is and what he's done for us. Uh, and so let that, let, let it really soak deep in your soul and sing it out from a place of recognizing its goodness. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would bless us this morning. Have your way in us. I love it every time we have a baptism. And Father, I believe there are hearts in here today that you want to draw near to yourself for the first time. I just pray right now in your sovereign power, you would do that. That Father, your Holy Spirit would just come and and that you would just give them faith to believe, that you'd give them faith to step forward, to open their mouths and to say, I I just, I want to receive Christ. Uh, Father, and I I just ask that this morning that if there's people here who they're teetering on, uh, you know, giving themselves fully over to you, that you would just say, Uh, you would just pour into their hearts fire that they would say yes and then I pray for those who are discouraged and downtrodden feeling like there's no way God could still love me or there's no way God could love me in the first place Father that you would reveal that you are the God who is light that shines in the darkness and there's no darkness too great to overcome you there's no sin too great that you cannot cover it And Jesus, I just ask that you would, this morning, reveal yourself in your power, in your spirit right now, just to their hearts, give them faith. God, open our eyes to see, only you can do that work, and I pray you would open our eyes to see how glorious you are, some for the first time, some because it's faded and we've gotten distracted. Lord, show yourself to us, have your way in our lives, in your name we pray, Jesus, amen.